Hi, I'm Kim LaPree from the Teachers Need Teachers podcast, a part of the Education Podcast Network, just like the show you're listening to now. Shows on the network are individually owned and opinions expressed may not reflect others. Find other interesting podcasts at edupodcastnetwork.com. Coming up on episode 69 of Podcast PD, we do another live call-in show where we talk about how everything that's going on in the spring of 2020 will affect education going forward. Let's go. This is Podcast PD, the show that provides you with anytime, anywhere professional development. Our conversations and guests will provide you with the learning you might get in a faculty meeting or on a PD day. Except you're going to have more fun with AJ Bianco, Stacey Lindis, and me, Chris Nessie. Let's start the show. It's Podcast PD for Sunday, April 5th, 2020, and we are live, live, live in front of a live studio audience, I guess. I don't know, but we are back again here live talking about education and other such fun things as we roll for about an hour or so, depends on how you engage with us here on this live show. Uh, my name is Chris Nessie, at Mr. Nessie on Twitter, and I am joined as always by my podcast PD compadres, Stacey Lindis and AJ Bianco, uh, co-host AJ. What is up, my brother? I'm doing very well on this Sunday. We uh, had a great day today. The weather is beautiful. We were outside like all afternoon, got to be honest with you. Boys are riding their scooters. We were cleaning out the garage. Uh, and now we're going to do a little... Uh, Podcast PD. We had a little coffee EDU this morning, a little coffee EDU fun for the North New Jersey crowd. Thank you, Chris Nessie. Little, yeah, little it, it was fun. fun. To, it was my second North Jersey coffee EDU. And let me tell you, it's a memorable experience, you which I fireworks. will discuss later today. Oh, okay. I will discuss. We'll talk later. Yeah, we're going to okay. talk about it. We're going to talk think about the most, it. The most exciting thing right now is Stacey's back. Stacey's back. How's it going, gentlemen? It's going uh, good. Every, AJ, I'm with with you. How are you doing? What's that? We're more concerned with how you're doing. I just, I don't know. Like, I feel like. I think I texted you guys like I'm not meant to be an indoor cat. And I know it's like the lamest thing to say when there are like so many people doing such amazing things during this time, like nurses and other medical professionals throwing themselves into literally like the line of fire with this whole thing. But I I get a little stir crazy and, um, you know, I worry not for myself because I don't think that I have um, like issues with depression. I think that this is like, I definitely have like some probably minor like seasonal affect stuff, like where like winter just kind of went the winter blues. Right. And I just feel like not being able to come out of winter properly has really you know, winter a, ended like two weeks ago. Right. But it do, like, it doesn't feel like it ended two weeks ago because of this whole thing. Like usually winter you get together, like absolutely not. Um, usually at the end of winter, you get to like, participate in spring rituals going out meeting with friends doing things outdoors and you can do some things outdoors but you can't do it all and like that's the part that um has really affected me in a way that i i never really expected you know i remember being home with the boys when they were little and um like in the summers and stuff and just itching for doug to get home so we could do something together as a family so it wasn't just the three of us and now i just feel like that's that's our lives and like i I joke that I'm not meant to be an indoor cat. And I really like that part of it is like, yeah, th that part's getting to me. And Albert's saying probably because it really wasn't a winter. And I think that's part of it too. Like nothing seems to have changed except the trees are changing, which mm. I'm welcoming those beautiful signs of spring. 
that lead to summer and like hopefully like an end to all of this. But I also think wrapping my head around the fact that like we are likely not going back to school has been a bit of a struggle um, that I'm preparing myself for now just so that come June, it doesn't hit me like a gut punch that like it's still going, you know? Yeah. So I just need a little quick, bit. I also want to say hello to, uh, to Christine Sorrentino. She's out in the chat. Howdy folks. Welcome back. Uh, AJ, you're good. I'm golden, man. I mean, nice. I, I understand what Stacey is saying. And like, I've, I've, I was nervous at first when they're like, okay, you know, don't go anywhere. You know, I need to do stuff, but luckily for me, the weather has been beautiful. So I've been able to go outside. We've been playing baseball in the yard with the kids. You know, kids are on the playground. I've been able to just kind of hang out and not, not be in the house. Like if this was winter time and it was cold or snowy, then I would have had a bigger problem. But because mm-hmm. there's kind, <clears throat> excuse me, there's kind of these activities that I can do and keep myself busy. That I'm, uh, that I'm doing okay. It'd be nice to hit some golf balls, but that's not gonna happen. Softball's canceled. <laughs> so I'm not playing softball. So just playing baseball. Batting cages are closed. Batting cages are closed. Yeah. Um, I've been taking. I've just been taking the role of kid, and I've been throwing against the pitch back a little bit, hitting off the tee. You know, doing all, doing all the fun stuff. Getting yeah. getting in training for the next season. There you go. You'll come all back right, well, stronger, right? What about you, Chris? You know, I mean, things are good. I mean, I'm. I mean, we'll, we'll talk education. Um. This weekend, my big project was repurposing a two by four couch that was on my front porch. Um, the boss decided she didn't want that anymore, and we ordered some new stuff that's coming this week. And I repurposed this couch, dismantled it, chopped it up into other pieces, and made a bench, a very simple bench, which I will uh, post some pictures up on the socials. But that was my project for today. It was beautiful out. Got to take the scooter out for a little ride this afternoon. And, you know, life is, life is okay. It is what it is. I'm on spring break this week, so I can be home and be home, 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 you know, with some semblancy of relaxation. That's pretty good. I don't know spring break. He's break next week. Okay. I mean, I mean, it's coming. You just got to get through this week. Absolutely. Uh, but you do have a spring break, right? They, they did not cancel our spring break. Or we- so I'd say let's talk about that real quick. I know we're talking about like how all of these changes impact or will impact like education in the future but let's talk about like some of the decisions that people are making that are impacting people right now so like um i saw a couple people post on facebook um that they no longer have spring break Mm -hmm. and you have spring break right aj you just go out on friday is that it we will be off friday and then the spring break yeah right how about you chris i am off this week and then the day after easter Oh, nice. Okay, Easter Monday. Okay. Yeah. So I start, my break starts on Wednesday, and then I have the entire week after that. Oh, wow. Yeah, we have a long break because we didn't take any snow days because, okay. as Albert pointed out, it was a beautiful winter mm-hmm. without a lot of snow. Mm-hmm. So I have an extra long spring break, and I think I'm ready for it. I don't know what is going to be different, but I'm ready for so just a little bit of a break in the routine that's not just called a weekend, you know? Yeah. And last week we were talking to the, the kids from Waldwick. And, uh, you know, we talked about the fact that, do you guys think that this will change snow days? And it very, it very well could really change the way we look at snow days from now on. It's unfortunate, though, because it really isn't fair. Like, a snow day should be a snow day, you know. But this could totally change everything going forward if, if this actually works and people take it seriously, as many are. Then uh, you know, it might be the fact that snow days are no longer a thing. I don't know that snow days would go away. I think that, like... 
snowmageddon wouldn't exist right i think kids would still get to enjoy like maybe a day if it was just like you know it's a snow day that affects one single day of school it's a snow day but i think if it's like one of those things where it's like two or three days four days we've had those in the past before in new jersey and that really is quite disruptive yeah you're right that could be a total different thing i didn't think about that it could be you know instead of that two-day or three-day stretch where you're not going back that you get the one day snow and the next day the learning can take place. Yeah. yeah. I mean, there's potential there. And I think people are hopefully, it, it, what are we, week three? Some of us are a little bit longer. Some of us are a little bit shorter. Yeah. But like, you know, three weeks in, hopefully people are feeling comfortable enough with this remote learning that right. that type of thing wouldn't be such a big stretch, even if it was for like a one or two day stint. I mean, I, I understand why people are losing the, the break. I mean, they're losing the break and then getting out, you know, a week earlier. I think some of our good friends, you know, Danny Kennis and Adam Schoenbart in New York, I don't think they have a break at all. I think that's mm-hmm. been announced for all of New York, that there is no spring break. So in, in Jersey, you know, we're lucky that we have a break. I don't know what it's going to do after the fact. I guess we're going to see that, right? We're going to see if kids can really refocus and get involved in the learning again after a week off of really doing probably nothing, especially not being pushed to do anything. So we'll see how that takes place. Right. All right. Well, I guess that kind of gets us into our topic tonight. And again, the theme of tonight's conversation is uh, how is spring 2020 going to impact education going forward? And we have a queue of callers. So again, if you are in the chat and you want to participate in tonight's show, uh, all you have to do is go to podcastpd.com slash join. And joining us right now, old friend of the podcast, fine New Jersey educator. Please welcome Jill from somewhere in New Jersey. Hey guys. Hi, Jill. Look at that shirt. I am a principal. What's, What's your, your superpower? superpower? <laughs> That's brilliant. Thanks. I, one of my teachers made it for me this year. <laughs> oh, that's beautiful. How's everybody hanging up, holding up? I think we're doing pretty well. How's everything going for you? How's, uh, how's this big global digital learning taking place for you? Um, it's been an experience, you know, you have to remember I'm an elementary school, so I'm dealing with pre-K through fourth graders. So it, it is really reshaped and redefined how we look at, um, education and, you know, virtual education. Us at elementary school have never had to deal with this really before, um, with this distance learning. And so it has been quite the experience and just trying to manage the amount of emails that now fly in every single day, as I'm sure all of you are also doing. Yep. Yeah. (laughs) So what, what are you guys doing in your school for the, for the kids? What, what kind of, how did you do the rollout for the technology? Is there technology or is there a lack of technology? Let's go with those three questions, I guess. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> All right. So, <laughs> whoa, those are three loaded questions, but okay. So what we did was we planned for the first three weeks and we did a lot of, uh, sending home packets and, you know, we were looking at just maintaining learning and that's our, that was our focus for the next three weeks. Cause we really thought that after spring break, which we're having right now and this upcoming week, um, we would be back on Monday um, after Easter. And, you know, now that it's not looking like that, we had to redesign everything. And so our third and fourth graders were already in Google Classroom and they were in there as an entire grade level because we were fortunate enough where that we're a small enough school 
were that we could put everybody into one classroom and the teachers could then, you know, manage the assignments and handle the questions and things like that. When we realized that, okay, this is going to be a lot longer than we expected. And we shifted from maintaining to continuing education. That's when the big shift occurred. And so last week we got our kindergarten through second graders all into Google Classroom. Um, each one is now having their own, each teacher is having their own Google Classroom. Um, but what they're doing is they're dividing and conquering. And so each teacher is taking a content area and going to focus in on that, produce the lessons for it, produce the activities for it, send it out to the team. And then the team is going to differentiate it based upon their classroom. Um, our third and fourth grade, since they were already in Google Classroom, they're going to stay in the classroom that they're in. But behind the scenes, the teachers are dividing and conquering and sharing the workload and really also relying on interventionist and our um, reading specialist for extra assistance with that. Our biggest juggle has been with special ed. And, you know, how do we how do we how do we now move like our resource room kids who are getting Orton Gillingham or getting a very specific program moving forward in this new virtual world of education? And so we've been kind of navigating that um, technology, thankfully, hasn't really been an issue. We've had a few parents uh, reach out to me to say we don't have enough devices. And so our tech team was fortunate enough to be able to make time slot arrangements so that parents could pick up school-based issued Chromebooks for them. Mm -hmm. Um, But, you know, I mean, for the most part, thankfully, technology hasn't been an issue. It's just been a matter of, okay, so-and-so hasn't checked in this week. You know, is everything okay? Who's reaching out to them? And, um, you know, getting just, just getting used to this new normal. Yeah. So Jill, I'm, I'm, I'm curious. You said that you had, um, one Google classroom for the entire building. How big is your school? Like how many kids? Roughly how many teachers? Okay. So our building is approximately 42 certified staff members and we have. So for kindergarten through second grade, we have four sections of each grade level. And then third and fourth grade, we have three sections. And so what we did was third and fourth grade. So third grade had their own Google Classroom. Fourth grade had their own Google Classroom. And we populated all the kids into it. Um, Our challenge became when we had to create accounts for K2 and then, um, first of all, roll that out to the parents and then get everybody loaded into, uh, you know, their classrooms and my specialists also. So now my specialists have also started creating Google classrooms for each grade level. And so, you know, now it's like a, a push out now of how do we do that behind the scenes where the kids can only just have to click into the classrooms instead of getting the code and going to find it and all of that, especially, you know, when you're talking art, music, library, STEM, right. PE, you know, it's it's a lot in addition to just the regular classroom. And what's feedback from parents been like? Because, you know, the other thing that I do is look at what the parents in my community have to say about 
you know, my kids, former teachers. And I'm just like, wow, like some of it is amazing and some of it is disheartening. So what's parent feedback been like for you? I think it's been the same everywhere. It's been a mixed bag. It's been um, a lot of, wow, how do you do what you do? Like we're really struggling with just one or two kids and, you know, you deal with, you know, 18 to 24, how do you do it? Um, But there's also been a lot of, um, one of the things to remember is that we're operating on a single day session. So we're operating on a half day type of schedule. Mm -hmm. And so our students are only expected to be on for a certain amount of time a day, engaged in schoolwork for a certain amount of time a day. And then the extra time at the end of the day is given to teachers to collaborate and meet together with their teams. Or I just held a virtual faculty faculty meeting the other day. Um, (laughs) yeah, it was pretty cool. (laughs) Um, but it's just, you know, like it's, it's just a matter of trying to find that balance. And one of the things that I've had to stress a lot with my teachers is that it's not about perfection. Like we can't expect to deliver the instruction and the content that we would if we were face to face. And so we have to remember that. And we're, we're really struggling and trying to find that balance of on screen versus off screen. And so far this past week, the feedback as we've made the shift is, wow, I'm so happy. You know, we're kind of mainstreaming this and going into Google Classroom and, and moving forward. But at the same time, we appreciate you acknowledging as a school, the fact that we don't want our kids sitting in front of a device all day. And so it, it, it's, it's, you know, I mean, it's really been a mixed bag. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I agree with you. Like the first two weeks, it was first week, especially, you know, like I I think I saw um, Shauna Rhymes uh, like had an Instagram post that teachers deserve like million dollar salaries. And I was like, that's right. <laughs> and then, you know, and I get it for parents, especially those without education backgrounds. Um, it's really hard. You know, they're teaching in a single room classroom with kids at all varying levels. And if they have special needs kids, we talked about this um, last time I was on, you know, my my nephew and his stepbrothers have special needs. And that's, you know, it's kind of tricky when you're not even an educator. Like, how do you facilitate that, let alone a gen ed teacher who doesn't have a, you know, a background in differentiation or in differentiate or modification to that level? Or, you know, like I'm looking at some of the side conversation about, like you said, OG and, um, you know, speech and all of those related services that kids are not necessarily getting unless schools and those those service members, those service teams are creating those opportunities. So, um, yeah, it's I think as we as we move further in, I think people are realizing like I need to get on the ball and like the parents are realizing this is my new normal, too. And it's not just. Yeah. And one of the things, one of the things that we talked about as a staff was, um, and, you know, it's every now and then you get those moments where you're like, okay, here's how I have to think about it. And one of the things I told my staff is to imagine that our parents are now co-teachers, but they're first year co-teachers. 
and they have, you know, like if they don't have any experience in education, you know, like you're, you're giving them this information, but they really don't know, no, they don't know what to do with it or how to process it. And, um, so I think also too, we have where that every classroom at least once a week is holding an online Zoom or Loom classroom meeting. And so, you know, it's like our thing also is concerned about that social connection because at elementary school, that's what it's about. It's about seeing your teacher every day. It's about seeing your principal every day. Mm -hmm. It's about those connections with your classmates. And so one of the things we started doing this past week was that Every teacher was holding an online virtual class meeting. And, you know, some of them were just check-ins. Some of them at the kindergarten level, I was popping in this week to show and tells, which are <laughs> always interesting <laughs> online. <laughs> um, but then, you know, we have like our pre-K autism class where, you know, the teacher was on and all the kids got on and she just did a story time and that was all that they needed. And it was a social story. And, you know, it's, it's, you were, we're finding ways to make it work. Right. And, you know, now this past week with the, um, the mandate that not the mandate, but the d- decision that came down to say that you could now provide services virtually mm-hmm. is going to be a game changer. Um, my speech teachers, my OT, my PT, um, and even some of my resource room, like my, my Orton Gillingham teachers were like, okay, perfect. We know exactly where we need to go with this. And we're just trying to navigate those waters of how to deliver those services right now. But you're you're creating a plan. I think what I appreciate most from parents, and I wish that like we had parents listening to this and not just educators, but I don't know too many, you know, um, as as Dan put it, homeschooling parents who are participating in this kind of a, a chat. But I wish that they realized that like everything's very fluid. We'll try this. And when it doesn't work, we try something else. Much like we are in the classroom, you know, when one thing doesn't work, you pivot. Sometimes you pivot within like the first 10 minutes of your lesson. If you're really on it, you pivot and you're like, okay, guys, like, let's all stop right now. Let's think about what's happening. For me, that's not working. Let's move to something else. And I think that there's a lot of pivoting. Um, you know, like I know we started out with Zoom as uh, one of our options for having for having our virtual meetings. And then all of a sudden it was like, we are not using Zoom anymore. Um, I think AJ and Chris can speak to the reasons why, but like that was all over the news of how, how people were getting hacked. And it just wasn't a good look, especially at my level. I'm in a three, four, five building. Like you can't have those types of shenanigans happening with third, fourth, and fifth graders. So yeah, I, I, and I do see, um, the awe factor going away and more of a, like a deepened, a deep hearted, like appreciation. Um, but I really feel like sometimes at this point, parents are beginning to lose a little bit of hope. And I wonder how we can turn that tide for them as well. Well, I think part of that goes in with the flexibility of it. And, you know, it's it's also being understanding of the fact that, you know what, if you can't get online, your child can't turn in the work during that typical school day, that's okay. You know, if they're doing it offline because they are just not having sitting in front of a device and you're going to take a picture of it and email it to the teacher, that's okay. It's, it's having that flexibility of it. I can honestly tell you, like 
even now at nine o'clock on a Sunday evening, close to nine o'clock on a Sunday evening, like I'm still getting submissions from students in Google Classroom because Mm -hmm. they've done the work, but the parents now are being the ones to submit it. And having that flexibility with that, I also think too that, um, you know, I think unfortunately we are settling into this new normal and people are settling into a routine. And once they figure that out and navigate those waters, then all of this will just continue to run a little bit more smoothly. Mm-hmm. I think um, for me after the break, I like, cause I go out my last day um, is, is on Tuesday, but I think, you know, my main focus these last three weeks has primarily been my students. So all of my daily communication is to my students and, you know, I've, I've reached out to the parents like maybe three or four times, but I think I need to do more check-ins and offer without overwhelming, but offer them some strategies at home that um, are helpful because, you know, I, I, I understand the struggle. My kids are very independent. They're also um, very, you know, um, they, they like the work that they're doing right now. They're a little sad not to see their friends, but you know, other than that, there's a willingness to do the work and my kids are much older. So I'm not sitting at the table with them yeah. talking about like, you know, doubles plus one and doubles <laughs> minus one. And I think if I were, I don't know, like, I don't know where I'm right now. Yeah. And I think Chrissy, I think you're working on colors or <laughs> all of that right now too. <laughs> yeah. It, it's a lot of fun teaching pre-K. Let me tell you. <laughs> Yeah. One of the things, too, that we have really made a cognizant effort to do is that we brought our guidance counselors, our school nurses and our school psychologists together, and they have created a litany of resources that are available for parents, for staff, for students and for families to kind of help you through this process. Mm -hmm. And one of the things that we have been very focused on is the um, social emotional well-being of our kids. And, you know, if we get a, if we get an email or report that a student is absent, like one of us, whether it's the, the guidance counselor, the school nurse or myself, we're calling that family. We're calling to say, okay, is everything all right? Do you need any help? Do you need any assistance? My guidance counselor has been crucial in reaching out to families that we know might be struggling during this time and also their case managers for special ed. They've been, you know, really a team player in this to say, okay, we need to step up and rethink about how we support our students. And we had, you know, one student who, you know, emotionally was really, really struggling with this. And so I think we we had about five of the teachers of the students' teachers get on a uh, a Google Hangout and just to kind of check in and say, "Hi, how are you? We're still here. We still love you," and that like set the entire week off for that child, where that they can then be productive. And so it's really a matter of also too knowing your kids and being able to reach out to those who need it and. Those who aren't asking for help saying, okay, they haven't checked in in a day or two days. Let's make a phone call. Yeah. Jill, what are your thoughts on how you think elementary or just based on your experience in education? How do you think all of this is actually going to impact 
education going forward. That's interesting because I was listening to your conversation <laughs> before I jumped on. And, you know, I kind of agree with what AJ was saying that, you know, every now and then it is nice to have a snow day and have it be like a snow day, you know, like we're all used to having and not have, having to worry about getting on and checking in and doing all of that. Um, but I do think that this is going to reshape not only time, extended time that you may have to spend outside of your classroom, but also really rethink about alternate forms of education. And we've always looked at that from a secondary type of level. And so, you know, even with my experience as a director of curriculum for K-12, you know, we really looked at that as secondary um, and kind of dabbled a little bit in middle school. And how can we, you know, bring this alternate um, virtual versus live, you know, face to face um, instruction into it. But I think now with this whole experience, we're really going to rethink how that's done also at the elementary level and, um, you know, really start to be able to meet the needs of those students where a traditional schooling setting is maybe not appropriate or maybe not most conducive for their learning. And how can we now navigate those waters? Um, I had one teacher reach out to me the other day and said, you know, if, if we are going to move in this type of virtual direction, I want to be first on your list to be considered for this because this is my game. This is what I'm doing. I love it. And the lessons that this teacher is providing are amazing and incredible. So I really think we're going to see that now kind of not so much trickle down, but I think it's more of a flow. I think we're going to see that flow down into the elementary level. So, Joe, I'm, I'm going to put you on the spot right now. Since you are a principal, you have big decision making. So when you think about the things that are going on, what's one thing you want to see implemented next year to start the school year to, to make your teachers or students more comfortable with technology or if anything like this ever happens again? That's a great question. Um, I think just as an administrator and as somebody who has a stake in forming that foundation for students, for me, it's being given that flexibility in order to know what type of educational plan is going to be best for my student. Um, you know, I mean, like I've said, I'm fortunate enough where that I know every one of my kids in my building and I know I could probably tick off easily, you know, probably 10% of my population where this type of formula of this type of maybe even blended learning will work for my students. But me as an administrator, being given that flexibility to say, this is what's best for my student and here's how we have to provide it. That's, a, that's perfect. Yep. I, I like that it's not, it's not like one thing. It's not like, oh, I want to introduce this tool that teaches. I, I, like, I like your idea there. Well, well, you know what it is too, AJ, is, is there so much being kind of, thrown at us right now as educators, which is a wonderful thing. There are so many companies who are opening up and giving so many free resources, but 
you know, I've so told... many that are still sending out sales emails. Oh, but that's I know. Story. Yeah, mm-hmm. well, that's <laughs> it's also budget time. So, you know, we also have to take that into consideration. But I think it's also, too, where um, I, and I've told my teachers, I said, ignore all of that that you get. Let me be that funnel. And so whenever um, things come to me, I'm really doing that research. I'm navigating this this system to say, okay, is this going to benefit my students? And if I feel it would, then I pass that information on to my teachers because there is just so much being thrown all at this, mm-hmm. <laughs> all at us at this time that you know, I, I, I have to be there for my teachers because I also have to, I also have to remember the emotional well being of my teachers because not only are they trying to one, navigate brand new waters in trying to educate students, but it's also two, you know, they're also trying to balance home life. And most of my teachers have kids at home. Um, you know, they've got families, they're dealing with elderly parents, they're dealing with, you know, there's so much going on that I don't want that. I don't want this. I don't want them to have to worry about this. Like, let me take that on. And that's one of the things that I have done as a, as an administrator. And you know what? Yeah. Would it be easy for me to say, yes, I want this. Let's budget for it very easily. But I think overall, for the benefit of our kids, if we can say, here's what I need for this student and being given the resources and here's the resources I need to be able to do that. I think that that is so much more powerful than just say, okay, yeah, everybody jump on board. It's not going to work for everybody. No, you need to meet people where they are and make sure that it's meaningful for them. That's with every PD. I mean, that's not going to change or move you know, that, that beginning point is not really going to change too much. Hopefully. I agree. I agree. Um, something was thrown out there about what does PD look like in the future? (laughs) What are your thoughts on that? (laughs) I, I see, you know, us really as buildings, as embracing the ed camp model and what does that look like? And, So it's not, you know, I mean, and we've all fallen into it. It's the one size fits all, you know, it's the district initiative and let's make sure that everybody's on the same page with this. Because again, like I said, it's a one size, it's, it's, it's one for all. And so I really see this and I started doing this when I was a director of curriculum as doing building based, almost like mini ed camps Mm -hmm. where that. You had the staff that you knew that you could rely on to provide that PD and let the teachers decide what they want to do. Let the staff decide what they want to do. Um, you know, it's, it's for us at the elementary school, it's really been a crash course in technology over the past three weeks. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, you've got some teachers who are very strong in some of the, technologies that are available and are providing that assistance online. And you've got others that are like, I have no idea what I'm doing. Where do I go? Who do I ask? And we're providing that for them. But I really see it moving forward as that, okay, let's, let's like, this is an opportunity for us to really, really blow up education and move away from... (laughs) 
I move away from that traditional model of all kids going to a classroom, you know, even if they have a device, if it's a supported class, if it's a blended class, you know, but there's still that I'm the teacher. I have to provide the content of learning how to navigate the tools that are out there mm-hmm. in order to maybe provide that in an alternate setting or in an alternate way. Again, it just goes back to what is best for the kids. And if you know your kids, you're going to know what's best for them. And if you know your teachers, you'll know how to make them you know, yes. rise to the occasion. And it sounds like they are really striving in your school. So kudos to you. Kudos to your teachers. That's fantastic. And your kids sound like they are in great hands. And I applaud everything that you're doing. It's like brilliant. Thanks. They are. I mean, I'm so proud of it. You know, I, I always lovingly refer to us as a family and like this is really, really proving that my staff is a family and we're all in this together. And, you know, I've always said this, no matter what position I've uh, ever been in, I've always said, I will never ask you to do anything I wouldn't do myself. And mm-hmm. I mean, it's also I'm rolling up my sleeves and I'm getting in there with them and figuring it out because I'm also learning a lot myself. Yep. And that's it. This is one big um, universal learning experience for everyone involved. And if it's not, then you're not doing it right. <laughs> you know, Jill, you talked about how this could, you know, really blow up education. We've got the opportunity to, you know, blow this up. And I was talking uh, with my wife, Caitlin, who as you know, is in education. And for those who's listening who don't know, she's a high school librarian. And we were talking about how maybe this will maybe roll back the hands of time. And, you know, maybe we can actually go back to before education was the factory model and put the kids in the classroom and kind of push them through 12, 13 years of schooling. You know, what was education like before that? You know, when you learned what you needed to know and you kind of got some direction and you were able to kind of pursue what you wanted to do based on what like society needed. So, you know, vocational type education, uh, and there's really an opportunity to, I think, be creative with how we do school. And I, I like how you said, you know, we, we can kind of blow that up, but, you know, I think we also run the risk that once we get back into our schools, a lot of people are going to go, ah, back to what I know. Yeah. And I'm really scared of that. Yeah. <laughs> Um, I think, again, that that falls to the leaders of the buildings and the leaders of the district to say, okay, what now have we learned from this experience? And what can we, when we look at education, what can we, how do I, what can we stop? What can we continue? And what what can we then change? And that is such a powerful exercise to do, um, especially as a leader, but also as a teacher to think about your own instruction. Okay, what can I, what I've always done, what I know, what I've, what I've been doing for years, what can I stop? And what can I really now continue doing? Because you know what? It's worked. And what can I change? And I think part of, I think one of the biggest things that we're going to see a change in is in assessment and how we assess learning, how we assess our students and really begin designing um, what is truly 
alternate assessments and what is truly a way to honestly um, gauge student learning. And, you know, it's going to move away from your traditional paper and pencil or, you know, whether it's an online test or whether it's, you know, sitting at a desk type of assessment. I really think we need to take a really hard look at that and say, okay, one, what's important? And two, how do we navigate and how do we gauge our students' learning? And that is just, I think, I would hope to think, and I know myself, it's something I'm going to be looking at, is how do we really rethink assessment? I already rethink it, being that I don't give traditional tests and quizzes anymore. You know, I I do it in in high school social studies with DBQs and project-based learning, and I'm not dependent on multiple choice, short answer, and true false. Yeah. To quote somebody who said this at some point, ain't nobody got time for that. <laughs> yeah, I, I think that's the best part about all of this. I think this is such a negative, and and what's going on around us really is a negative. But I think the fact that we can kind of rethink education, especially assessments, like Christy just mentioned, like all of a sudden now is like, oh my gosh, is is this really meaningful? Is this important? You know, do we have to give these kids tests just to see what they get, to see what they know, or can we really find something more meaningful, like choice boards or essays or projects or Something that actually is going to help them design and create and think. Can we find ways to focus on skills-based learning and authentic assessment? Authentic assessment. And, you know, does it have to be about content, 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 or can it be about the things that are going to outlast their K-12 experience? Yeah, this is the understandings and essential questions and things like that. Yeah. And I think traditionally, when you look across the history of education, a lot of it has come from top down. So it comes from the university level down and it trickles down to say, okay, here's what we expect in order for students to be um, to gain entrance into our school or university. And then, okay, how do we as educators then in K-12 get them to that point? But I think this movement is going to be a K-12 and up movement. It's going to be a reverse movement and it's, it's, it's needed. Let's, let's put it out there. It is needed. Um, Our system has been for hundreds of years and it's, it's antiquated and it just doesn't work anymore. And uh, Al is waiting patiently on hold. So we'll get him in in a little (laughs) bit, but he, he made a comment in the chat about, you know, take a look at the AP exams. If I'm a student right now, and I have to take a 45-minute essay-based computer AP exam, and I'm a kid coming up, and I, why is the AP next year going to go back to, you know, three- and four-hour exams where you got to answer, you know, I, don't, I didn't take AP class. I don't know how many questions are on these things. <laughs> but, you know, are we going to need to go back to what the AP exam used to be, or can we do 45-minute couple of essay questions, get your college credit and, you know, move on with your life. Well, and the other part of that too, is like, um, like I, I recognize the need for change at the elementary level with um, the adoption and integration of a better use of technology. And as a, a former tech coach, like I really see that as a K-12 need, not just a middle school, elementary or high school need. But um, I think some of the things that I've seen at my experiences in the middle and high school level is that 
you know, hopefully those teachers who were used to standing up at the at the front of the room using their whiteboard or their chalkboard, or like I worked with teachers who still used a traditional overhead projector Lord with like the board. <laughs> Like, like, you know, their vis-a-vis markers and like they're rolling over the projector. Like, hopefully they're learning like that is not the end. Right. That's not the end all be all of like how to design a lesson. Um, Yeah. Yeah. I was just looking at a comment that uh, Christine made. You know, she said that she had her students create an infographic and, you know, why not? Like, again, really rethinking how we are assessing student learning. And I'm not even, it, it's not even traditional, you know, like your weekly assessment, um, you know, like you were talking about, like your week, somebody mentioned on here, like a weekly quiz. It's not about that anymore. It's not. It is about that authentic learning and how are the students then giving us the information that they have internalized the knowledge that they need in order to move to the next level. I was just giving a thumbs up to Mike Brilla in the chat. He had never heard the term Lord of the board. <laughs> Let me throw another one of my favorites, the sage on the stage. Oh yes. Yes. It's not about that anymore. <laughs> yeah. No, we, you should have already transitioned to being a guide on the side. Look, I'm full of it tonight. <laughs> You're always full of it, Chris. It, well, you know what? Speaking of full of it, hey, this is our show. We, we can have more than one caller at a time. Uh, so you know what, Al? You've been very patient. <laughs> Long time fan of the program. Let's welcome aboard Al Spiegel. And if anybody else wants to hop in, uh, we can accommodate another person on screen. I can hop off, whatever the case may be. Uh, so go to podcastpd.com slash join. Before, Al, just hold on one second while you're on screen. Looking good, by the way. Um Thank you to everybody who is participating in the chat tonight. A lot of great comments. Um, so I, I would like to hit on as many as we can. So just keep firing away and feel free to come on into the chat uh, here on video, podcastpd.com slash join. And if you're having fun, share this bad boy on Twitter. You're watching on YouTube. Click that share button. Smash that subscribe bell, the whole thing. All right, Al, what's up? Al, turn your microphone on. <laughs> <laughs> And you know what? I just want to really quick respond what? to Bruce. Al, Al, what's that? Al, what pipes? All the way from Bergen Catholic. <laughs> really quick, no, Bruce. Can't hear you. No. Al, sorry, you're gonna have to call back when you have a better line. Oh, <laughs> oh Bruce asked the question of can we survive without state testing? Yes. Al, get it. Yes. Uh, not yeah. Al. Bruce, get in here. Can Bruce. we survive without state testing? Bruce, Bruce. fire up we video. Get, get yeah. on here. Let's go. <laughs> Yeah, Dan, if we just have to find something else to tie the the money to, I guess, right? Yeah, and you know what? It doesn't have to be tied to teacher performance either. Wait, how about this one? Can't we just give school districts the money they need? Just give us the money we need. (laughs) No, you got to jump over a hurdle. (laughs) Put a toothpick on the ground. Make people step over it. Just give the money we need. Yeah, or or you know what? You're only as good as your summative rating. Like really? No. We're past that. Yeah, right. All right. Al, let's try again. This time better. First of all, everybody. Thanks. And let's go back to first of all, never tell an only child that he looks good on camera. (laughs) That's number one. (laughs) Uh, How's everybody doing tonight? Doing great. Thanks for joining us. We're good. We're getting fired up, Al. Come on. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I I tell you. uh, No, you can have. I, 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 you know, 
everything's going to change. Like it's all, I, I, I can't even think about, you know, I like Chris's point. We're not going, we're not going back to four hour written AP tests because the college board just said, Hey, we could do this all online. So if they go back they're going to have a, there'll be a revolt. If we go back and say, Oh, there'll be, you know, we'll go back to paper tests. Um, you know, I'm just, uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Christine and I work together. So ignore her comment. Off my ego. That's not, <laughs> that's just, that's not, not the case at all. Just ignore it. Feed me. Yeah. Boot her out of the chat. Um, <laughs> We're not going back to any of that. It's it's you know it's 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 done. Like if this if this thing whole thing doesn't teach us that we can do education a different way, then forget it. It just it's it's just it would be all in vain because we can do it differently. See, but you say that Al, as an edu- as an educator and mm-hmm. a parent, you can see that it's different and we can make these changes. Mm-hmm. But those people who are in the state department are just going to say, you know what, we don't need to change anything. You know, it was it was too drastic. It was too much change, and let's just go back and we'll forget this ever happened because nothing's going to change. You know, coming from the state, there is nothing that's going to change going forward. Uh, hey, by cricky Corona, be damned! We're going to give the kids pencil tests <laughs> and weekly spelling tests. Yeah, oh, cursive. We're going to write in cursive too. Yeah, well, hey, think about I it. I like cursive. We, well, we're not going. We're not going back to school this year. I mean, I don't think anybody's. You know, and let's be realistic. We're not going back. You know, so it's like and I look at it from a high school standpoint, you know, we give final exams. So we need to be thinking now about, okay, well, what are we going to do for some type of final assessment? Because I've got teachers that are giving tests where the kids have to put their camera on their other device so the teacher can see what they're doing and they're not cheating. Come on. I had to proctor my son's French test. (gasps) And then it was, I know. Awesome. And I was, I was like, all right, bud. I know. (laughs) I was like, it's two o'clock. You have to take your test now or until four. So let's come out. He goes, seriously. I was like, yep. Madame Kim said that you need to do this. And he, like, I get it. Like, he was so frustrated. And then it would serve him to do a little bit better studying. But like, he, like, there was this one point of frustration where like he's looking at it. And he had to do it on Ed Puzzle, which again was just like this whole thing. And I was like, okay, whatever. Again, we're using technology in a different way. Um, hopefully, for this teacher, it was something different or new. But I could see his frustration because one of the answers was like, two. Like you had to pick two choices or all the choices that applied, and one choice had more like had, I guess, different pronouns that you could use. I don't know. I don't know French, but. There was like one minor difference between his selected choice and the other one, and his had more options, and that was the correct answer. So he's like, "Oh, I got this wrong," and like, you know, he's beating himself up over this like whole crazy new experience, and he's doing it in front of me. Like that's like that's not a cool way to take a test. Like, why do you have to have a weekly spelling test? Why does assessment have to feel like this? Like, Al, I feel bad for you. We don't even do midterms and or like midterm exams or final exams anymore in my district. So the fact that you're like still there, like, you know, that's another thing. Like, hopefully in 2020, 2021, that will be a thing of the past, right? Yeah. yeah. What is there? What else can we do to, you know, to prove student learning? And it doesn't have to be taking a test because what about I a year long portfolio? on the higher ed side, we're, you know, I, I can't, I've never given a cumulative semester exam. Nor in my graduate classes, I don't give final exams. Uh, I give it's either a project or, you know, the supervision class was actually a, an observation, which they can't do now. But generally, it's, it's something, um, you know, kinesthetic where they actually can learn something as opposed to taking a test. You and know? you know what, too, Al, this is also going to do? This is blowing cra- class rank out of the water. Mm-hmm. 
It is blowing it out of the water, which is, again, something I personally and professionally feel is needed. And guess what? The, the next, thing, next thing you're going to go are number grades. Yeah. Why do we need number grades? Because I, if I could prove a kid's learning something and... Can we just pass go, collect $200 and get rid of grades? <laughs> okay, let's just all go to there. Trenton and run the DOA. <laughs> We've got, I mean, there's five of us and, and I'll bring Christine because I know her. So, I mean, it's... But really, look, 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 at, look at all this all this, these unintended consequences of, of what's going to happen because we're not going back to how it used to be. And yeah. I think there's enough people in the trenches who are doing this now who are going to say, Hey, no, we're, you know, we're not, there's, there's, there's no reason to, because we've done, we've come so far so fast. There's no reason to go back to how it used to be. Speaking of the trenches and no reason to do anything, I'll bring on Bruce. <laughs> <laughs> You guys didn't get the sarcasm in the testing uh, comment? <laughs> oh, I totally got it. Hey, come on, Bruce. <laughs> I mean, think Still about the, acknowledge it. Think about the amount of time that we spend in test prep, the amount of money we spend in test prep, then the amount of time to take the test, and then you don't get the results right away. So I think this was, you know, a long time coming. And I'll tell you, more and more colleges, and I put in the comments, it started in Harvard in the Ivy Leagues, they don't, the SAT and ACT doesn't count because they go test optional. Every single kid has a 4.5. So what does that mean? So I think a lot of them have gone away from the standardized testing and they're looking for more the whole person. What do you do with your family? What do you do with your community along with academically what you could you know, give the school so it becomes a little bit more, you know, diversified. And the other point is, I mean, the five of you know and I know you know in your whole class, you know in your whole school as a principal, these are the kids that are on this level, these are the kids in the middle, these are the kids that we have to help. Any good teacher worth their salt is going to know those things without having a state test to give them numbers to say that they need to improve on this subset of whatever subject. You know as the teacher already, so I, I don't think you need the testing information just to substantiate what you know, and the test information doesn't come in until the next year, then you don't have those kids again. So I want to touch on that for one second. I'm, I'm very curious to hear what you guys have to say about this. And if you're in the chat, you know, drop this as well. I was talking to my parents the other night who are not educators. Um, they don't really know the idea of like state testing and stuff like that. And they're like, well, you know, are these kids going to fall behind? I think we would say yes, because they're not getting that, that socialization that they need. They're not doing everything that they'd be doing in school. But when you think about it, now it's April and we look at April and May which we call the test prep months to begin with. Then you have June, which is half days and class parties and field trips and all that stuff. Are our kids, and, and this is your opinion, are our kids actually falling behind or are they still getting a quality education virtually, just missing some components that they're going to have face-to-face? I know there's definitely content that will not be taught in the same way, right? Like, And I don't know what that content in my, at my grade level is because it's my first time teaching fifth grade. But it will be very interesting to have conversations with my grade level colleagues this time next year to see what's what they missed in fourth grade or what didn't necessarily um, hit in the same way that it has in the past. You know, like I've taught everything from first to fifth grade now at the elementary level. And like, it's amazing to know what I taught them in first grade and what they seem very unaware of by the time they get to fifth grade. Like, it's just like, how do you not know that? 
because I know I taught it when I taught first grade. Like, so the things that they lose from summer slide or like, you know, at some levels, it's an introduction. And then you build upon that. Like, I'm thinking math in particular. And like, Jamie can probably talk to about this, AJ, right? Like, those things that have a trajectory that takes you through. It'll be interesting to see, like, okay, we left learning geometry. Like, that was our next unit of study. So what will that look like when, you know, our kids did not get the same geometry instruction that they've gotten in the past. So what will that look like for them come next spring as fifth graders? I think it's the only test. Um, I get your point, though. I see what you're saying. Like, you know, right now we're in for reading and writing. We're in a civil rights unit, civil. Yeah. So like and, and it's all opinion and research. But then when we were supposed to get back from spring break, we do switch that switch it and we move into some of those test taking skills at in the ELA areas. And then, yeah, that's a whole segment of some of the skills that we're teaching. And then it is those end of the year activities. So I don't know. I'll have to have a conversation this time next year. AJ, just remind me to have this conversation next year with my colleagues. I just asked my um, sixth grade son and he said he feels like he's not as far along as he thought he'd be. You know, mm-hmm. oh, tell them that I'm also advanced. That's he's <laughs> <laughs> like his father. <laughs> I can't, but he. I think he feels like you know they're just they're not. You know, while while they're doing, it's not it, it. The I guess the content is a slower pace. Okay, Ryan. You know, like it's it's a slower. I, they're just not moving at, at at the pace where they would be in the classroom. You know, because I also yeah. think there's a realization that like we're also relying on parents to be maybe not the educator, but come in as some type of instructional assistant mm-hmm. to aid the curriculum and content that, you know, we're expecting to be delivered at home. And it is not the same. Yeah. So uh, we have to like teach to not the least common denominator, but a level where everyone can get in there. And it is lower than someone who is, who is elevated like your child. Yeah. And, you know, my, my kids would be saying the same thing. Yeah. So there's no shame in that. Yeah. And I know, you know, I've had, a, even as an educator, I still have a problem. They do everyday math and I struggle. It, it's they, they run it up through the twins are in third. I forget when they end it. He's not Christopher. You don't do everyday math. Do you No. He, connect, connect it. Yeah. Connect it. Yeah. Um, but like the, but the younger ones, they're, you know, trying to explain to them and everything, you know, as an educator, I get, okay, we have to, you know, we're going to explain this. How do we get here? But if you don't, if you don't have that kind of background, this is really baptism by fire for some of these parents trying to be able to to do that kind of homework. And, and that's, you know, excuse me, that that's a, that's a real struggle. That's, you know, yeah. uh, or are they going to then fall behind because their parents can't support them? Now I know my, my kids teachers started doing a, um, uh, a virtual meet um, this week with the kids, a, because they, I think there was a lot of, Hey, we want to see one another, but also if they need extra help and they, they want to ask a question, you know, there those teachers were there for you know an hour or whatever around lunchtime to say, you know, OK, explain, you know, if you have a question, we can, you know, we can work it out. So I think that that part has to be everybody at some point has to be doing that. Just, I think, to have that connection with the kids. But also it's easier for me to explain a problem as opposed to try to type it out or take a picture or email it, you know. Yeah. But I think that it also goes back to kind of what we were saying before is, okay, do we need to now even revisit the standards and say, okay, why is 
why are the powers that be that are sitting in Trenton and Washington, D.C., who are not educators, telling us and dictating what our students need to learn and master by the time they leave? And how come our voices in that are so small? And, you know, like we it's just like the whole system is being upended. And, you know, it's also a matter of, okay. Let's reprioritize about what our kids really need and what they're going to be able to utilize going through the rest of their educational careers. Just one thing I was going to say, you know, to Jill's point about we're going to redo everything. If you want to take a look at the light at the end of the tunnel, possibly when Katrina happened in New Orleans, they didn't go to school for four months. And now, 10 years later, 15 years later, it was 10 years later, the article I saw, their test scores doubled. Why did their test scores double? Because they redid and they revamped the whole education system because it wasn't working originally. So, you know, two things. I don't think these months are really going to matter overall, like in a student's career. And I think a lot of really good innovative things are going to come out of this that are going to change, you know, curriculum going forward. And as Joe was saying, I agree with her. Like, do you really understand the topic is so much more important than can you take the quiz on it? And you know, at that particular day. Yeah. Excellent yeah. point, Bruce. That's uh, that's why I let you in here. <laughs> <laughs> was it just because of the Nick shirt? <laughs> I, if I had seen the whole thing, I, I would, I would have been crying when I brought you on. But that, that's a sad tale for another day, of course. Um, so as we start to wrap up uh, one, th- thank you to, to Bruce and Al and Jill for spending some time with us tonight. And thank you to everybody in the chat who has been here and, and left comments. Um, let, let's kind of go around and uh, as we say goodbye, uh, just make one prediction or one wish for education beyond spring 2020. And I will go first to give the other five people time to think. Uh, my my wish is for all the children of the world. No, <laughs> <laughs> if you know, you know. Uh, my wish I for know. education. I here. Do you need this, Chris? <laughs> my my wish for education going forward is that teachers become more confident and empowered to be creative and innovative long term, and not feel stifled or restricted in any way when they want to do what they believe is best for their students. And I will pass the torch to Jill. Oh, man. (laughs) Um, I think in addition to that and building upon what Chris said, (laughs) um, I think it's also that we really get back to being truly student focused. And I hope that we can now move into a place where we think outside the traditional boundaries about how to educate each individual student effectively in a manner in which they will blossom and grow as learners. True that, yo. Stacy, continue. Um, I was drinking water when that came out of my mouth, but whatever. Um <laughs> I would like to see, to Jill's point earlier, and, you know, some of the conversation, um, a shift in PD that relies on a reflective practice from this, like, from pretty much from, like, March 13th, when we all went to remote learning, 
to the end of the year where people take a really hard look at the practices they put in place for those last two and a half months of school, three and a half months of school, and then kind of what they can do to adopt some of that, move further, and really take a look at what they need to facilitate that either on their own or collaboratively. Like, I feel like there are so many different PD opportunities that come to mind for this, whether it be rogue PD, like Rich Shiz would kind of designate or, you know, um, formal PD that comes from grade level initiatives, building initiatives, district initiatives. Al, what do you got? I wish we get out of our own way. <laughs> I, mean, I really do. Like I just, and we do throw the baby out with the bathwater because next year it's, it's everything's, anything's on the table, you know? And I think that this, this being able for us to rethink pretty much how we do everything in the last, you know, three weeks, there's, we have to stop with the, you know, we have to have a teacher centered room and we have to have, um, we have to have homework and we have to have grades. I think we should, and the, the, the conversation for you should be from the bottom up as people start asking, why are we doing this? Well, because we didn't have to when we were doing in a virtual environment. Why are we, why are we giving tests? Why are we giving homework? Why are we, you know, making them write in a notebook? Why anything, anything. We just keep asking the questions and we push the conversation from that level as opposed to the people who don't know what they're talking about telling us what they think is important as opposed to we push that up and say, this is, this is what, you know, we need to do. And I think, I think a lot of people realize whether it's, uh, if you, you look at it from a PR standpoint or what, that, oh, wow, teachers are, they're valuable people. Really look at the great job they do. Okay, let's run with that, you know, and say, hey, I think there's a lot of things that we can do. Now that we have your attention, here's what we can do and, and, and move forward. So let's get out, of, let's get out of our own way and just let's, there, there's no limit to what we could do. All right, Bruce, what do you got? I mean, I think the most important thing now is that we were ready for a two or three week sprint and there's no hundred yard dash here. It is a marathon, pace yourself, students pace themselves. And I think really wellness is going to be seen more than anything to take care of yourself, for kids to take care of themselves. And, um, you know, that's so important um, along with, you know, a lot of the other changes. I think it's going to, a lot of innovation coming out of how can you now pace yourself to continue to teach now that you got your feet a little bit wet and if some people have spring break or not then moving forward into the last marking period what are some different ways now that you can use video that you could use some of the new methods that maybe that you learned and i really think um pacing ourselves i know in our own in my own district they fought to have spring break for the teachers for teacher wellness, just to get a break after three weeks to kind of recharge and rethink everything. And I know a lot of other school districts didn't do that because they have to deliver lunch to kids and, you know, for other reasons. But I really think um, wellness is going to be is going to be huge so we can, you know, survive and do well in this. And my final point, and I've heard more and more of it today. I've been on a couple of these things. Support the parents more like uh, the parents at home, even if they are teachers, if like AJ, they have younger kids at home or it doesn't, the parents might not be home. They might be working in a healthcare worker in the hospital. And I think more support for the parents um, somehow, you know, to help them out because they found out very quickly what we know. I mean, it's not easy and they might only have one or two kids at home. We know how many kids, you know, that we have in school. So support the parents, support wellness and just peace yourself and take care of yourself. 
the bonus piece is Kate, and it's not just Amen. It's not just kid. It's just it's not just teacher wellness, but it's also kid wellness and making sure like those check ins, yeah. like Jill was saying earlier, mm-hmm. those things are so important. Oh my goodness, that's so simple. <laughs> AJ. So because I'm last, I'm just gonna say whatever I want to, and just gonna take the time here. And uh, what what I was thinking, and I have a bunch of things that I was actually thinking. So so thank you for keeping me last. You know, I, I wish that uh, teachers now have more voice when it comes to decision making. That, that that's one of my wishes. I wish that people now embrace the educational technology a little bit more. Um, I hope people kind of like see actually is important. And I wish that assessment changes to become more authentic and real and not just question and answer. Uh, and my prediction, nothing changes. We're still going to go back to grades. We're still going to go back to evaluations and SGOs. And we're still going to go back to... Say? Yeah, I said it. Uh, we're going to go <laughs> no, back this to... this is bulldinky. <laughs> no, this is bulldinky. Like I don't talk to myself enough. Um, nothing's going to change. It's just going to be whatever it is. People are going to go into their classrooms, well, let's say September, because that's what it looks like around here. And they're going to go back to their ways and they're going to throw in some technology every now and then. But I think it's all going to go back to what they know, what they're comfortable with. And maybe a little bit here and there will get pushed. But, you know, hopefully all of the ridiculous initiatives that get passed down um, are a thing of the past. We don't have to worry about some of the ridiculous stuff, but we focus on the whole child. We focus on social emotional learning and wellness and, and all those great ideas that go along with, with kids being in school with one another. And there, I can say whatever I want to because I'm the co-host and you made me go last. <laughs> Mr. Podcast over here. No, not Mr. Podcast. Just Mr. <laughs> I'm just thinking right now. So that, that'll do it for, for Podcast PD episode 70. That's a, a milestone of some kind. 70 episodes of the fine podcast program. And... Uh, <laughs> Al has his own sound effects in the back. That was very timely. Oh, like, their sound effects are right. <laughs> yeah. mm-hmm. Anybody want one? I rent them by the hour. I got enough. I got two. I'm good. I'm good. <laughs> so if, if you're not subscribed uh, to the podcast, uh, if you're watching here on YouTube, make sure you go to podcastpd.com slash go on your podcast listening device of choice, and that'll help you Subscribe, share the show, all that good stuff. Um, you can find our guest tonight, all of them on Twitter. I will include their Twitter handles in the show notes out at podcastpd.com slash 70. And Stacy. All right. Well, it is time to say goodnight. So say goodnight, Bruce. Good night, everybody. Good job. Say goodnight, Al. Good night, Al. Say goodnight, Jill. <laughs> good night, everyone. Say goodnight, AJ. Good night, AJ. Say goodnight, Chris. Good night, Chris. Good night, Podcast PD. <laughs> Good night, Mr. Nessie. <laughs> Good night. Bye. Bye. Thank you for checking out this episode of Podcast PD. For links to everything that we discussed in this episode, you can visit the show notes at our website, podcastpd.com. To connect with the show on social media, we are at PodcastPD on Instagram and Twitter, and we share using the hashtag PodcastPD. To connect with Stacey, AJ, and myself, we are on Twitter at Mr. Nessie, at IRunTech, and at AJ Bianco. We would love to hear from you, so please go to PodcastPD.com slash feedback 
and send us an email, send us a voice message, whatever you need to do. Also, if you enjoyed this podcast, make sure you share it with somebody that you think would get value from it. Word of mouth is the best way to share a podcast you enjoy, and we hope you enjoyed Podcast PD. We appreciate you listening, we appreciate your sharing, and we love creating this podcast for you. We'll see you in the next episode. Take care.